Are you a Christian? Why? Because I have faith. Well, I guess that's because I was raised. You just, <laughs> you just have to have faith. Like, I just, you just do. Like, I just believe in him. It's always been there for me. It's always someone I can turn to. I'm actually, I'm not sure why. Learn how to give a proper apologetic or defense for your faith with Battleship Apologetics this season on Creation Today, starting August 20th at creationtoday.org. Hey guys, Eric Hoven here with creationtoday.org. I get the privilege of sitting down with Sidesen Bergen Cape from Proof That God Exists. Dot org side. Thanks for hanging out with me. I Thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me. Good All right, you're you here again. down here in the uh, Florida area speaking at a conference and uh, presenting uh, the presuppositional apologetics. For those who don't know, share with them real quick what presuppositional is. Well, I find the best way to define presuppositional apologetics is to differentiate it from what it's not. Okay. It is not evidential apologetics. And you're very familiar with that type of apologetics, but evidential apologetics, excuse me, basically is giving evidence to try and prove to people that God exists. Mm. But Scripture says that everyone knows that God exists, Romans 1. They're without excuse for their sin against Him. So presuppositional apologetics, it takes the foundations of what people believe in. So this is how I explain it, and I know I've done this with you a few times. But I say, where do you hear evidences out in the secular world? You hear it in the court of law. Mm -hmm. Who do you give evidence to in court? The judge and jury. So if somebody comes up to you and says, I don't believe in God, and you give them evidence, who are you saying is the judge and jury? Them. And who's on trial? The Lord of glory. So I don't give them evidences. I expose that without God, you can't make sense of evidences. I go beneath their examination of evidences. I go to their pre-beliefs, to their foundational beliefs, to their presuppositions. And I expose that unless you start with the God of the Bible, you can't even make sense of looking at evidences. Now, are evidences a wonderful gift from God? Absolutely, for Christians. But I don't use that when I defend my faith, or I don't use it in a way that puts God on trial. We can use evidences. We just have to be very careful not to put the Lord of glory on trial. Okay, I got a question then. I start going to our authority, God's right. Word, mm -hmm. and I say, the Bible says this, and somebody says, I don't even believe the Bible. Right. How do you respond? Do you know what an appropriate response for that would be? So what? <laughs> That's true. That would be an appropriate response. You don't response. believe the Bible? So what? I can make sense of everything, even your objection from the, my foundation. Mm. That's not what I do when I'm out there, but that would be an appropriate response. Somebody says, I don't believe the Bible. There's some really weird stuff in there. There's a talking donkey, a talking snake, you know. There's a man who was dead for three days, came back to life. I don't believe your Bible. And I say, oh, so you don't believe it's true. No, I don't believe it's true. I say, but you do believe in truth. Because when you say my Bible is not true, you're appealing to a standard. I say, fine. Where do you get truth without God? Mm. So they're borrowing from the God they know exists to say my Bible is not true. And they might say, well, I get truth from evolution. I'm evolved to know things to be true. If there wasn't, you know, if I didn't evolve, I'd be dead now. You know, in a recent debate, somebody said that. I said, well, let me ask you this question. If you're an evolutionist, you believe that your brain is an evolved meat machine. And you believe that your thoughts are the byproduct of the electrical chemical processes in your evolved brain. I say, what if I got a bottle of Mountain Dew and I, a bottle of Dr. Pepper, Doug Wilson uses this experiment, yeah. and I shake them up and I open them and they start to fizz. Which of those fizzes would be true? Neither. It's just the process of a chemical reaction. Now, if our thoughts are just the process of a chemical reaction in our evolved brain, where do you get truth? You don't get truth. You get brain barf. That's right. So somebody here wants to say that my Bible is not true. They're appealing to the foundation of truth, to the God of truth, even to say my Bible is not true. Now, they cannot have those objections. And this is what I say on the street sometimes. You think that these things are problematic because they're miraculous. I say, but if God exists, those things he could do. He could make a donkey talk. I mean, the God who breathed the universe into existence could make those things happen.
You say, well, yeah, I guess so. So you don't have a problem with miracles. You have a problem with the God of miracles. And the problem is when you have a problem with the God of miracles, you can't make sense of your objection. So people say to me, how do I know the Bible is true? Because if it wasn't, you couldn't make sense of your question. <laughs> nice. How do I know the Bible is true? Yeah. Truth demands God. Wow, that's beautiful because it really gets down to that foundation. Uh, and ultimately, this is what I find um, almost frustrating when I see somebody saying, uh, hey, I could be wrong. Maybe God doesn't exist. Talk about that just for a second because I, I, I get frustrated with this. And Well, first of all, according to Scripture, they know for certain that God exists. Even the unbeliever knows for certain that God exists. But here's the problem. When they say they could be wrong, then you're welcome at parties. Come on in. You're a Christian. Yeah, I could be wrong. They could be right. You know, you're welcome. But if you say, no, I'm certain that you need to repent to put your trust in Jesus Christ or you're going to hell, you're no longer welcome at parties. And the problem is Christians want to be welcomed instead of proclaiming the truth to people. But when you say you could be wrong, you reduce God to a probability. Mm. Now, Scripture says nothing could separate me from the love of the Father. That's what we say in church. Tears streaming down our face, our face. Nothing could separate me from the love of the Father. And then the next day we go to work, you say, you know, buddy, I could be wrong. But it's made my life a lot better. But, you know, if that's the case, if you could be wrong, you can't say in church nothing could separate me from the love of the Father because you could be wrong. So we reduce the Lord of glory to a probability. Wow. Now, our certainty that we have uh, through God's revealed word, through, right. through, through uh, the world and through the word that we see, hey, look, God created this world. That certainty is what flies in the face of a lot of people, and they get so angry because we have this certainty. How do we address that with them? How do we, how do we go to them and say, why, why would you be upset that I'm so certain? It's a really odd complaint, too, because I had this in a number of my debates, Paul Baird. Yep. You know, we, we were on your show together, but my first debate with him, he said to me in his British accent, there is no certainty. Yeah. And I said, Paul, are you certain about that? See, it's, it's self-refuting. Yeah. Now, they want to leave that wiggle room, and the problem is a lot of Christians do too. A lot of Christians don't like this apologetic because if God only probably revealed himself, I'll go to church every Sunday, but I'll still sleep with my girlfriend. Mm. I'll go to church every Sunday, but I'll still cheat on my taxes. But if God revealed himself certainly, he makes certain demands in our lives. We have to represent him. There is no wiggle room. Of course, you know, God is a God of grace, a God of mercy. And, you know, we're forgiven for our sins, but he makes demands in our lives that we strive to be perfect like him, not for salvation, but to honor the God that created us. That is awesome. Wow. Well, um, what's the next? You, you just had a, a, a project just now come out, didn't you? Mm -hmm. You just did the um, Debating Dillahante DVD. Or a good friend of mine is on there, actually. A good friend of mine that makes an appearance on there. He appeared in my first film as well. Wow. Yep. Nice. Eric, Eric Hoven, have you heard of him? <laughs> I was there. That was actually really fun. Got to go up to Memphis. So I enjoyed this debate. It happened last year. It has been viewed more than 240,000 times. That's right. We're closing in on a quarter of a million. Unbelievable. That's on the Atheist Channel. And I started right. that debate by saying, Jesus Christ is King. Yeah. Over a, almost a quarter of a million people have heard that now. Okay. So I watched Debating Dillahante, and I just got to share with you, my wife, uh, really struggled with this apologetic. When I first met Cy, she was going, I don't like this. I don't like this guy. I don't like what he's saying. I think he's just taking... And she knew me. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. And uh, no, it was, it was that she was, she was confused with the apologetic. And then the more she heard, the more she understood. She said debating Delahante was the most clear understanding. She's going, 
How can people not see this? Right. Give us the synopsis of what happened. I mean, I really enjoyed the debate, and I, and I went, look, it's over. But yet right. they still feel like they're winning. Give us the synopsis. I, I want that. people to be clear, first of all, though, that Debating Delahunty is a documentary we did on the debate. Yes. It's about 45 minutes long. And the debate is available on their YouTube channel, but it's also available at Vimeo, at debatingdelahunty.com, and people could check that out. And I, I've had that critique before. People who don't know me saw the first film, and I've had people come up to me and say, I saw your film and I hated you. And then they've met me <laughs> and they, they understand my heart behind it. But like Tony Miano, his review is hopefully coming out uh, shortly. He said, in the first film, we saw the mind of God behind the apologetic. And in this one, we saw the heart of God behind the mm. apologetic. So I debated uh, Matt in Memphis. And the thing is, it really wasn't a debate because he has a show where he has you know, hundreds of hours of him speaking. And I found out what his foundation of truth was. And he said, truth is that which conforms to objective reality. And I've Objective clipped, reality. Right, and this is Matt Slick. Uh, Matt Delahunty. Uh, excuse me, Matt Delahunty, by the way, who is a very outspoken atheist and has done a lot to undermine many people's faith in God. Yeah, well. I, or expose the weakness of their faith. Maybe that's the right way to say right. it. Right, well, that, that's what he attempts to do. Yeah. I mean, God is sovereign. But uh, so. He, his foundation for truth is truth is that which conforms to objective, objective reality. reality. And I have clips of him saying he can't know what's objectively real. So when you go to a debate, you're debating the truth of something. And he would say, you know, truth is not what you believe. And he, throughout the whole debate, he says, well, this is what I believe. I'm That's not making right. a knowledge claim. Then I have clips of him saying, you know, well, I don't know this. I, I don't believe this. I actually know it. So it's just so contradictory. But that's the folly of atheism. And that's what was exposed in that debate. Of course, the crowd was largely atheistic. And I, I wanted it that way because they were charging money for that. And I did not want Christians to put the money into the coffers of the atheists. Yeah. So people listening to that debate hear the crowd, you know, supporting Matt with everything that he said. But I think that the discerning viewer will see what actually happened there. Now, now one thing you're saying, like your wife said too, how can they not see it? Do you know why they can't see it? They're blind. Because they're not saved. Yeah. People say to me, how can they not get this apologetic when you share it with them? Do you know when they will get it? when God saves them. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that they do get it, they must suppress the truth because it exposes their folly. I got to tell you this story real quick. Uh, I met a gentleman a couple, maybe two months ago. His name is Matthew. He came and said, Eric, I've been arguing with you on your website and on your Facebook page for years. And I came down here to protest your meeting. And two weeks ago, I got saved. I met Jesus. Praise I said, God. Wow. I asked him about that debate. I said, have you ever watched... Um, uh, Cy versus uh, Matt Delahunty. He said, I watched that debate more than six times. Wow. And, uh, and he said, it was part of what made me go, wow. How can Matt say truth is, objectively, is objective reality and then at the same time say, I don't know what objective reality is? That means he has no truth. Mm -hmm. He has zero foundation. And he just Cut his legs out from under him right there. Oh, praise God. Now, I want to caution people, too, is that we cannot be reasoned into the kingdom. That's true. You know, God was working on this fellow, and he uses these type of arguments, but we cannot reason a person into the kingdom. Mm. That, you know, God, he was after Matthew, and I'm glad that he used that debate, yeah. but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. You know, like you and I, just we admit we're tools, mm. and the atheists love when we admit that. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Awesome. Well, love the work that you do. Thank you for being an encouragement to so many out there helping them see this. For those of you that still um, met a gentleman two days ago who just watched your film and he said, man, I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm trying to get this. And it just seems like you're being mean to people. I said, no, you're doing the loving thing by showing them that their worldview has no foundation 
and they need a worldview that has a foundation. I tell people too, I'm not beyond correction, but I'm so passionate about this. Mm. But I also tell people if somebody's walking to a cliff, the better friend is not the one who invites them to the pizza outreach. It's the one who says, there's a cliff, stop. And I hope that that's what they see when I'm, when I'm maybe a little bit more aggressive with the yeah. unbelievers than they, than they do want. They I think want. sometimes they mistake our certainty for arrogance. Right. And it's not an arrogance because we would be nothing other than the grace of God. I love it. You, you share all the time. Luke chapter 17, we are unworthy servants only doing that which is our duty to do. But we do have confidence that God is who He said He is. Amen, brother. And that's the way we should go defend our faith. And I appreciate our friendship, brother. Awesome. God bless you, man. Battleship Apologetics, this season on Creation Today, starting August 20th at creationtoday.org.